The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. There's a few different ways to come about listing a company on the ASX. One uh, of the more obvious methods is the IPO, the initial public offer. But uh, also a well-trodden path in Australia is the RTO method or the reverse takeover. Um, Sometimes companies uh, wear a little badge of shame as they come on with with an RTO. Um, and that may be for reasons that uh, not all of the RTOs are successful in creating shareholder value. It's, uh, it's my pleasure today to uh, introduce listeners to what I would see as one of Australia's most successful tech companies, and that's uh, Live Tiles with the ASX code LVT. Live Tiles listed four years ago through the RTO, the reverse takeover method. Um, and has gone on to have a uh, pretty impressive valuation, uh, almost a quarter of a billion dollars as it sits here today. Now, a lot of the companies that I get to talk to generally have uh, relatively small market caps, um, you know, the uh, sort of sub $50 million. But I think it's very important that we do take the time to look at companies like Live Tiles because I think there's a lot that we can learn from their method of operation. Tech companies in Australia, although we do have a few successful ones, uh, the truth is I think the average investors in Australia are only just starting to learn about technology companies compared to their peers in, say, the US or Europe, where the markets are a lot more dense, uh, a lot more variety of of, of product offering and a, a lot more innovation. So today we're joined by Simon Tyrrell. So Simon's the Chief Product Officer for Live Tiles. Um, now, Live Tiles is based in the US, but uh, Simon, where are you today? Oh, hi, Nigel. I'm in Hobart, down in good old Tasmania. Look, Simon, I think this is fantastic from uh, pretty much the bottom of, uh, bottom of Australia. You're, you're uh, commanding and controlling um, a quarter of a billion dollar enterprise that's playing on the world stage. I'm, I'm hoping that today you can talk us through a bit of the tech, a little bit about um, the business. Um, but first of all, I guess one of the things that we just want to be clear on is this idea that from Hobart, you're servicing some of the world's biggest companies, companies like Nokia, uh, Pepsi, the United States government, and, uh, and many others. Um, Simon, can you tell us a little bit about the journey for Live Tiles and uh, and how you went about securing companies uh, such as these? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for ha- having us too, Nigel. Um, yeah, the journey's been a, a real rapid, high growth uh, one that started with an idea um, that our founders had, Carl and Peter, around how could we do things smarter in, in the market we play in, which is which is enterprise technology, the type of stuff that's used within companies to empower employees and look to gain more productivity. And that idea very quickly uh, started to morph into our first product, which is pre-listing. Um, we landed some some beachhead customers, um, in particular in the US and the retail sector, uh, with the support of Microsoft. 
And we saw this rapid growth and uptake um, almost, you know, not quite overnight, but pretty close to it. And and that then led us down this path where we, as you mentioned, a reverse takeover listing onto the ASX, which put us in a very uh, strong position with um, the ability to, to access capital, et cetera. And, and since then, and over the past four and a bit years, we've, we've grown you know, to 52 odd million dollars in re- annual recurring revenue, over a thousand customers globally. Um, and with, you know, two, 250 odd staff now around the world in all major markets. So it's been a very exciting rise. And I guess a, an example of what can happen with technology, it can scale very, very cl- uh, fast. And it can also scale at a global level because the, uh, the access to markets and this, you know, there's not much supply chain, if you will, to worry about. So you can you can get out there very quick if you've got a product people are after. Mm. The, Simon, I think uh, some investors um, who are perhaps less experienced at looking at uh, at, at tech um, might balk at uh, a quarter of a billion dollar valuation for a company with only fifty odd million dollars. Um, but let's just unpack this. Uh, this lifetime value concept that you're using, this annual recurring revenue. So um, what what is it? How is it measured? And why is it relevant? Yeah, so classically, and particularly even in software of the good old days prior to, you know, things like cloud computing and software as a service, all the terms that investors might hear about, um, we're very much driven by perpetual revenue. And that is, I'd sell you a piece of software, may have come on a CD-ROM back in the good old days, um, and you'd pay me a price for that. And you may have paid an additional percentage of support fees or or fees to get ongoing upgrades, but that was generally in the vicinity of 20% at most. Um, And what's happened in the last five to 10 years is that every major tech company in the world, whether it be Microsoft, even Apple now with its subscription services, has been needing to move to this concept of recurring revenue models. Um, and the benefit of that is that they are recurring. There's there's not contracts linked into where we're only going to pay you a fee up front uh, and then a very minimal trailing revenue stream. Um, it's generally a monthly or it can be yearly fees. You can get lock-in. So, you know, we have some contracted customers on minimum three-year contracts, for example. But the idea here is is that they're paying an ongoing predictable uh, amount of money to you to put to provide your, your solution, your product, your offering for them to them on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. And we find that drives a number of uh, benefits to, to the value you offer and the value attributed to you. One is the ongoing relationship. And secondly, something we track very closely is the ability then to get increased wallet share from those customers through that relationship. And that could be um, additional bundled offerings. It could be additional uh, product offerings that you bring to the table over the the course of the the customer relationship. Um, And that ultimately just increases the the annual wallet share and revenue stream. So it's a very predictable, uh, very high-valued revenue model, uh, particularly in the US. And if you look at all the successful uh, software companies around the world and the ones with high value, whether you look at Slack, whether you look at Lassian, they're all driven by this concept of a new, um, annual recurring revenue streams. And uh, that's that's the world we play in. Yeah. And um, what's your ARR at the moment? Uh, it's sitting on 52.7 off the top of my head from our most recent uh, investor deck. So yeah, and, and that's grown from basically nothing, um, you know, four, four and a half years ago. Yeah. And uh, so that puts you on a ARR in round numbers of about four times, which in, um, you know, is, is certainly at the lower 
end of the spectrum for enterprise tech companies. Um, some of these companies are trading in the multiples of sort of five to seven times ARR. And I think it's important just to emphasize this, the live tiles um, is in enterprise tech. And I guess it's, you know, it's the recurring revenue is very, is very different to what a software company might be if it was providing um, software services to, to say, um, consumer clients. Um, would that be a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. You generally got um, a lot lower churn, so churn being the term for for customer loss. Um, so if you think about if I was selling you on a monthly basis a, a $10 a month subscription service, such as a music streaming service, et cetera, um, there's high churn rates in those those markets because consumers can move so easily and it's it's highly competitive. Enterprise technology, you know, it's, there's an old saying that they're not buying in you today, they're buying for the long term and the vision you have with your products. So if a COO, CEO, a head of marketing, whoever it is, is investing uh, significant dollars in a technology company relationship, they're actually looking generally five plus years out and they're, they're looking to see that this company they're buying this product off or this offering is got a vision, uh, a roadmap, and a set of products that is really going to keep adding value into the long term. And that's why those companies that do sell into enterprise technology, and you also see companies also um, who have sold to consumer, often look to uh, bring in an enterprise offering, um, is for the fact that the lifetime value potential for customers is is very, very high and with long relationships. Yeah. Now, Simon, not uh, not everybody here in Australia is going to be familiar with the product offering that Live Tiles puts into the market. There are Australian customers, of course. I think uh, you've got uh, Virgin Airlines here in Australia. Some of the universities, such as Deakin University, are, are users of your system. But can you give us a, a bit of a, an overview of what Live Tiles does for its enterprise clients? So, um, so what is a Live Tile? <laughs> so, but it's really actually quite simple. So, every company in the world over about a hundred users, and that's sort of the baseline of of what we look at it as our addressable market, if you will, um, has this thing called an intranet. And most listeners to this, if they've ever worked in an organisation of that sort of size or, or bigger, would have accessed this thing called an intranet. Um, and the reason we target that is it's often seen as the homepage of the the organisation, the place that all employees can go to access everything from what's going on in the company through things like corporate communications, corporate news, uh, access to policies, procedures, documentation, access to finding people in the organisation, and, and that's the intention of the intranet. Unfortunately, traditionally, they, they're not very good. They, in fact, you could go as far to say as they often suck. Um, and they've often struggled to keep up with the change uh, of technology and new capabilities that are, are made possible and the key one obviously is uh, artificial intelligence and what it can start to do within the within the workplace so what we do is we offer software that um, really beds into that intranet platform can provide that enterprise intranet and all those things i mentioned but then we offer a bunch of other capabilities that really allow our customers to go beyond that and start to really think about how do they intelligently transform their organizations as opposed to just digitally transform and we see that as a as a really important place to be as, as ai comes into the organization and really the principles that underpin everything we do is how do we take those capabilities and actually 
deliver benefit to the employees, to the end users. We're not really about AI taking away jobs. We don't think that's a future. We actually think it's more about how does technology help take away all the mundane, the repetitive, all the stuff that doesn't make work a very enjoyable thing to do or a place to be. Um, If it can help take away some of that uh, and free you up to really take advantage of your your human qualities as an employee, we think that is what will drive actually increased productivity within these organisations. And it's we're right at the cutting edge of some of the stuff going on around the world. We work very closely with our strategic partner, Microsoft, who's also investing a lot in the, the plumbing that makes all of this possible. Um, and really, it's the starting point of getting there, own the intranet, and that's the bridge to this future of what we call the intelligent workplace platform. But at the end of the day, it's how do we help employees within these organisations get better work done, get it done faster, and hopefully have a more enjoyable time at work because the technology's a benefit, not a hindrance to getting work done. So, Simon, you you sound like the HR manager in the organisation there with a a spiel like that about how it's uh, benefiting the the employees. Um, I, I, I understand that, but can I get you just to go perhaps one level deeper um, and maybe if it's useful, um, you know, a particular example, can you help the listeners get a, a better understanding of what the, you know, the specific benefit uh, is yeah. to, 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 uh, to, uh, to a user? Absolutely. And it's interesting you made that HR comment because it's, it's very much that sort of spiel because what we're, another trend that's happening in organisations is a much bigger focus on employee experience versus just the external customer experience. Um, but I'll give you some some examples. I won't name the customer specifically, um, but just sort of the types of things our customers are doing. So, for example, uh, we had one organisation um, that's had an old legacy intranet that was relied upon because it gave access to certain procedural information that was required operationally for it. Um, and it was causing significant uh, issues in their organisation of basically the inability to operate their business if the intranet fell down. So we started with them with just a let's replace that with something more modern, more scalable and more stable, right? So a pretty simple need. Um, That was delivered within a couple of months versus the old intranet, I think, took well over 12 months to implement initially. So you're talking speed to to solution, which is a critical part of uh, the use of technology in organisations these days. Um, Since then, it was so successful, considered to be one of the most successful IT projects around, so that was run out of IT. They're now looking at the role of things like chatbots, so the ability to automate processes, the ability to provide different channels for for staff to access information, particularly from mobile-centric users, um, and take that type of technology. doesn't necessarily mean they're doing brand new stuff with it, but they're able to automate, streamline those types of processes in a much more modern way and get that into the hands of users. Uh, And then beyond that, you start to think about how do we put these this access to information, access to other systems. So the ability to bring in the, the plethora of different applications every employer uses every day. I mean, if you think about your own work life, Nigel, how many different applications you might rely on to get to get what can often be simple processes done, communications, task management, your email, your social networks, et cetera. Being able to bring all of those together for users and put it in front of them when they need it. So this concept of contextualizing access to technology and preventing an employee having to jump between different systems because what a bunch of research shows not our research but you know from the likes of harvard and and various other analysts and and research organizations around the world is that 
overloading people with information is becoming a bigger and bigger issue um, in not just public life but also work life. Um, systems are getting more disparate and spread a- around as opposed to centralised and employees are really struggling to be able to make sense of it all and to be able to know what application they should be in, when they should be in it for any particular process, being able to know what's going on across all of those, being know uh, who they should be working with um, as organisations look to really go to more sort of agile working processes um, and the technology that we've got in our stable but also stuff we're working on for the future is really trying to look at those problems and address them because that employee experience and treating the employee as a core part of your organization's value is definitely a trend that's uh, that's here to stay. Um, and we believe that the technology obviously has a big role to play in that, in, in enabling the employees in the first place. I'd also imagine that onboarding staff and training staff becomes a lot easier as well when there's a sort of a single system that they're focused on. Absolutely, and onboarding culturally, right? The ability to get to know where you sit in an organisation, who you work with, um, the tools you use with those people. It's all, it all sounds, I know it sounds really basic, but this is the stuff we see our customers really struggling with every day um, when we start talking to them. And what we're looking to do is we're, we're looking not to build one sort of single solution for this because it's a very complex set of problems. What we're doing is we're, we're building out a platform, this thing we call the Intelligent Workplace, and the idea here is, is if you're that customer whose intranet is just falling over and causing you huge operational issues, we can solve that for you and we can solve it for you very quickly. But importantly, and, and referring back to that lifetime value, we've also got a bunch of capabilities that we can bring to the table as your needs mature and really help drive a more intelligent use of technology more than just sort of that transactional baseline use, which is where, to be honest, a lot of organisations are stuck. They're just stuck delivering the basics and their employees are demanding more um you know the consumerization of it, it's often referred to of it is uh, absolutely something that impacts decision making in these organizations and how do you give your employees an experience and a, the ability to use technology for for better outcomes like they do in their personal lives um and so what we've got already and what we're working on is all about the capabilities that really help organisations not just solve today's problems but also look to the, to the future and, and the role that this technology will play in, in their organisations. And looking to the future, LiveTiles has made a number of acquisitions as well and my sense is that some of these have been to secure a piece of technology um, where, whereas others have been really focused on the land grab so you've made a couple of acquisitions in Scandinavia, some larger acquisitions perhaps. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, so Wisdom uh, was an acquisition now uh, just over 12 months ago out of Denmark um, and that was really to those two points you made. Wisdom gave us three core uh, things uh, brought into our organisation. One was just the, the knowledge of the, the founders and the senior team within Wisdom, um, you know, 15 years, close to 20 years experience in an industry uh, around this sort of intranets, digital workplace type type world. So that brings new ideas and, and also the ability to have a lot more brain power thrown at, thrown at the things we're trying to do. Secondly was the technology. So, so Wisdom has given us a very large enterprise uh, play that we sort of had previously but definitely not at the scale they've delivered so you're talking rolling out this technology to organizations with hundreds of thousands of active users um, and that brings with it a lot of technical challenges and you need a bunch of core capability uh, to do that and, and wisdom tick that box the day we 
acquired them basically and is now formed a central centerpiece of our, our platform. Um, and finally, uh, they also, there's no doubt, gave us uh, the ability to really leapfrog in the European market. The European market's a very hard competitive market and almost, you know, a bunch of distinct markets, if you will. So doing business in Germany with technology is very different to, say, the UK or to France or to Scandinavia. And they brought, I think it was close to 250 customers spread across Scandinavia, Germany, and, and have various other places um, and the same goes for the more recent acquisition we announced uh, late last year with Cycle out of Switzerland. So they also gave us 150 odd customers particularly Germany and Switzerland which are highly regulated uh, markets where you really do need local presence to really crack so it gave us a huge uh, leap up there but also from a technology point of view one of the areas that we've been looking at for a while was what's commonly referred to as the frontline worker. These are the workers in these large organisations and retail, healthcare, uh, manufacturing uh, are industries where you see a lot of these where they're not necessarily licensed for the tools that are given to you and I as, as workers in an office, always on a computer. And so Cycle has given us a, a platform, it's called Condense, which is all around how do you engage and align employees um, who may not be at a desk, they might have their own devices and they're always running around, um, they may not even have email addresses. How do you get the message out to those? Because for some of these organisations, that can represent 70 80% of your workforce. And in something like retail, they're your frontline people who are representing your brand every single day. So how do you reach them? How do you engage them? How do you get messages to them? How do you keep them connected to, to company values, company messages? We see as a really important piece of the the puzzle um, and so with the cycle acquisition that's brought that the, to the table and we're already seeing a lot of interest in those sort of customers whereas you know wisdom big intranet play um, may be not appropriate at this time so yeah it's definitely always a sort of strategic positioning in different markets uh, avenue but definitely uh, the tech play with those acquisitions were made and, and prior to that the hyperfish one uh, is all about building out our platform as fast as possible well simon the yeah, building the platform as fast as possible and what we're seeing is revenue growth as fast as possible as well, you know, where um, uh, I guess many people are, are very impressed by uh, the rate of growth that you guys are achieving. You've got great support from um, from shareholders, including um, more notable ones such as Regal here in Australia who have been behind the stock. Um, look, Simon, thank you so much for coming on the segment today and talking to us about enterprise tech and running us through live tiles asx ticker code lvt live tiles simon tyrrell thanks very much and uh, keep running it from hobart yeah thanks nigel and enjoying the life as well down here thank you very much <laughs>